Hi, it's Michael, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about something incredibly powerful. It is the power of identity. Yes, your identity, the beliefs, the core beliefs that you hold about yourself, your morals, your habits, the kind of person that you are. This is very powerful for athletes to tap into. Just becoming aware of the concept of identity can really help you, not just in sports, but in life. So what is identity? It is essentially the belief or the certainty you have about your character, about your morals, about your habits, that you feel sort of untethered if you don't have these habits and morals and principles and things like this. If you go astray, let's say that you are 10 years sober and you go out and have a bunch of drinks, you're going to feel terrible afterwards because you've broken this certainty, this sort of this promise that you have with yourself about the things that you do, the kind of person that you are. Um, conversely, if you really love to party and you are clean and sober for a little while, uh, it gets a little uncomfortable. You might have some of your friends saying, hey, dude, let's have a beer. And that is also your identity. I'm the kind of person who goes out and parties. So unfortunately, the identity is a concept that is kind of unconscious. It's, it's happening, lurking in the subconscious mind, and it can really control us. So I want to talk today about how especially athletes can up-level in their sport by tapping into the power of identity. So first of all, up-leveling, yes. So you may feel a little uncomfortable. Let's talk about bicycle racing, going through the different categories. In bike racing and road racing in the United States, it starts out in a category five, you move to four, three, two, and one is the top level. And going up through these particular categories, I've seen a number of athletes back when I was racing and currently who get uncomfortable going up into these levels because it is an identity shift. Certain things, certain characteristics and habits happen as you up-level through this 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And it could be any sport. There's different divisions, right? So each time that you up-level, there's this feeling of discomfort when you arrive at this new level because your identity changes. Again, this is a sort of a subconscious, unconscious thing that's going on for you is, oh, now I'm a, you know, division one. Now I'm in the major leagues. How do, how am I supposed to act? What, what are the things that these people do? There's this uncertainty. And what's, what's unfortunate is a lot of athletes will not up level for fear of these, these changes. What's next? Can I handle this? Will people mock me? These kinds of things. It's this type of uncertainty. It really goes back to identity. So uh, you really have to kind of start acting as if before you make that identity shift. So there's nothing magic here. You just have to start <laughs> entering the bigger races, um, hanging out with the major leaguers, doing these things that you're not quite ready for yet to up-level your identity. Then it becomes the new normal, and then you have made this identity shift. So I want to tell you a story about how I became a pretty decent climber um, on a bicycle. So this goes way back to the 90s, 1990s. I was living in Northern California where there's a lot of hilly road races. And I started bike racing in the Midwest where it was fairly flat, some rolling hills. So I was like a really good criterium rider. 
and it was all about power. But when I was living in California, I was getting my butt kicked by getting dropped on these climbs. And some of these road races had like 4,000 foot peak mountains and I just didn't quite get it. And so I said to myself, you know what? I'm not a climber. I'm not a climber. And I was, at the time, I had a buddy, his name was Matt, and Matt was a natural sprinter who could also climb. And I asked him, I said, Matt, how do you do it, man? Like, what is the deal here? He goes, well, you know what? I just don't restrict myself to any particular category. He didn't say something like that. He said a little more eloquently than that, a little more casual than that. But basically, he said, look, you just have to believe you can do it. I was like, come on, man. It's not like some Jedi mind trick. He goes, no. Watch what the climbers do as you approach a climb. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, they relax. They all relax. And the people who freak out on the climbs and get dropped get really tense and nervous and they expend a lot of energy. And so Matt told me how to really pace myself on climbs. Start out relaxed, a couple people are gonna go fast, you don't chase them, you get into a groove, you get into the zone. So just by that, and just by hanging out with him and traveling with him, I started climbing a little bit better. And then I said to myself, well, you know what, why don't, why don't I become a climber and see, see what happens? And so, at that time in the early 90s, there was a team called Team San Jose in San Jose, California, and they had recruited, I think, about three or four Colombians from, well, one of the best, one of the nations that produces some of the top cycling climbers in the world, Colombia. So these guys got recruited to this team, and they were just naturals. I mean, they were just shredding everybody on these climbs, and I started just emulating them, acting like them. And I would watch their climbing style, the cadence that they would use, and that helped my climbing a little bit even more. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to really commit to climbing and just see how good of a climber I could be. And notice the identity there, a climber. Maybe I could be a climber. Uh, so what I did is I went on a diet. Um, I went totally vegan. I'm not necessarily suggesting you do that, but I wanted to try it, and I did lose a little bit of weight, didn't really lose too much strength. I uh, lightened up my bicycle. This was a steel bicycle at the time, uh, so it was still pretty heavy by today's standards, and I practiced climbing a lot, and I actually got pretty decent, and there was this one race in San Jose, California called the Mount Hamilton Hill Climb. It went up to 4,200 feet, and it starts on basically sea level, and you climb right away. In this race, the Colombians from Team San Jose instantly pulled away, and lo and behold, I was right there with them. I don't know how I was doing it, but I had followed this, this protocol. Now, it wasn't all mental, of course, right? So the, the, I'm lighter, the bike is lighter, I have techniques, I learned but generally, I'm only about five pounds lighter than I was when I was racing a lot of criteriums. So I wasn't, quote unquote, a climber. But my mindset was that, look, I'm not, not a climber. So I was able to stick with these Colombian riders on this particular uh, road race, Mount Hamilton Hill Climb. And I got about three quarters up the mountain with them. And then, yes, they pulled away from me, but I stuck with them for a long, long time, and I got a pretty decent place in the race. 
and maybe earn their respect a little bit. Uh, These guys were amazing. But my point here is that my mindset shift helped me become a better climber because I didn't fall into this trap of saying, I'm not a climber, or I'm not a sprinter, or I'm not a this or a that. I, I gave myself permission to experiment with that role, and I got better results, mainly from my mindset shift. Um, if you want to learn about my mindset shift for sprinting, you can listen to this other episode I did, another podcast called How Athletes Can Use Beast Mode to Improve Performance. I learned um, a little bit um, how to sprint, how to become more of a quote-unquote sprinter. So think about this. Um, in your sport, whatever you're in, I, I'm not a free-throw shooter. I, I, you know, I, can't, I can't hit home runs or whatever it is. Like, be really careful with what you tell yourself about your identity, right? The kind of person that you are, because it can really limit you, right? So just get out of that um, I am or I, I am not, right? That's, that's pretty important. Uh, let me tell you another uh, quick story, kind of a fun story. This is post-bike racing. Um, I had a bit of an identity crisis. You know, I, I went, I think I quit racing in, when I was 25 and went back to college. It was, it was a pretty rough year, that shift. And I decided that I wanted to study abroad in Spain. And my, my dream was like, I really want to learn Spanish. I want to live abroad. So that's what I did. And I went there. And when I got there, I was no longer a bike racer. Okay, I wasn't a cyclist. I wasn't an athlete. This, this is what I'm telling myself, kind of on a subconscious level, you know, searching for kind of an identity because I had left bike racing as a profession and now I was going, I'm a professional student, right? And so when I was living in Spain, pretty much everybody smoked cigarettes. <laughs> this is in uh, 1998, 99, before there was a lot of restrictions, I think, on, uh, on, on bars and smoking. And I'm not kidding, like... Everybody smoked. Even the people who didn't smoke smoked on the weekends when they partied. And I would ask them, I thought, you know, thought you don't smoke, you play soccer, you're an athlete. Oh, no, I mean, I don't smoke, but, you know, when I'm out in the bars, I smoke. Like, oh, okay. Um, so I became a quote-unquote smoker. <laughs> I smoked a lot of cigarettes. And I'm not proud of it, but I want to tell you the story of how I convinced myself to do it. Well, first of all, it's very, very addictive, so that helps. Um, but I t- kind of took on this persona of like, I'm a cool American studying abroad. I'd constructed this narrative in my mind that I was now a smoker or, and I gave myself permission and I knew it was really bad for me and it didn't feel good, but I did it because it was like this identity or this persona and I got into it and my peers around me like I said, everyone was smoking. The professors, a couple of them smoked in class. Like it was, it was just a thing. So when I came back to the United States and, and graduated college, uh, I was kind of like really wanting a cigarette. <laughs> I had to sneak it and hide it. And a, a friend of mine kind of confronted me and says like, what's up with the smoking? And because they had known me, my identity as somebody who did not smoke, a non-smoker, right? And so I was kind of confronted by this person, and you know, not in a harsh way, but I was like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess maybe I'm not a smoker anymore." And so my smoking went way down, um, 
and that was good. But I still smoked a little bit because I was kind of addicted. But slowly, I just, you know, I stopped smoking, basically, um, kind of here and there. But I was essentially done being a smoker. Um, and that's when I started kind of realizing the power of identity, of these stories that we tell ourselves about our habits and behaviors and our capacities of, you know, I can't. I can or I can't do that. You know, I'm a, I'm a climber, I'm a sprinter, I'm a home run hitter, I'm a smoker, right? All of these things can, can become part of our identity. It's a way to sort of justify our habits or justify the level that we're at, uh, sort of your, your comfort zone, if you will, okay? Um, so I want to tell you guys, or actually give you guys um, an exercise to do that I think is going to really, really help. You know, these podcasts, I like to not just talk, but uh, give you guys some actual like homework and strategies to work with. And I've been finding lately, you know, I'm a psychotherapist also, and I also coach athletes. With my therapy clients, I've been really, uh, really help, helping folks, I think, with, um, with the concept of identity and getting them to change some, some habits, or I should say drop some bad habits by working on identity, and I give them this, I'll call it a magic phrase. And here's the magic phrase. I'm the kind of person who fill in the blank. And I like to challenge some of my clients with this of like, can you fill in the blank? I'm the kind of person who, and they, it, it, I won't say it's magic, but it's been one of the most powerful tools that I've started to use in, uh, in my work in therapy with clients and also with athletes is working, becoming aware that your, your habits really, you can tie them to your identity in a really powerful way. So some of my clients and some of my athletes will fill in the blank with some, something like I'm the kind of person who wakes up early and doesn't rush through the day. I'm the kind of person who does a three minute meditation or prayer in the morning to start my day. I don't let, I'm the kind of person who doesn't, doesn't check my phone for the first 15 minutes. Instead of thinking of like habits, like, you know what? I should meditate in the morning. You know what? I should, um, I should not watch the news so much. What you do is you literally tie it to your persona of who you are at your core. I'm the kind of person who never quits a race. I'm the kind of person who tells the truth. Um, if you tie it, if you use that, that phrase, I'm the kind of person who, it really, really helps create new habits, um, starts getting you used to uh, really like a new you in a way. I think you're always you, of course, but like this, it really ties it to your identity and I call it kind of positive brainwashing. The power of language is huge. Our brain really takes these words verbatim. So if you do any kind of negative self-talk, uh, it's not innocuous. It's, it's, it can be damaging if, if you, know, you keep saying it. So try, the, try this. So I would encourage you, here's, here's your homework, is you write out the phrase, I'm the kind of person who, and then you fill in the blank with a bunch of things that you want to be. Not just start doing, but you want to be this kind of person. Write this out as an athlete. Make some, some athletic goals. You could make it personal goals as well. And you're going to come up with a list of, I would say, you know, like 10 or 20 things, right? Circle like your top 
three or four or five. And they're going to be the ones that are going to resonate with your gut. It's not going to be an intellectual exercise. It's something's going to resonate in you and you're going to say, you know what, I am the kind of person who uh, tells the truth. I am the kind of person who, um, who stays positive and doesn't, you know, um, say overly critical, mean things to people or whatever it is. Like, come up with that list and it's going to resonate in your gut of like the things that you really want to start doing more of and make it the kind of person you want to be as opposed to just the habit. It's really, really powerful. I really encourage you to do it. And once you do it, you write out these things, circle like your top three or four to get started. You can circle more as you go. And the ones that are kind of not ringing true to you, don't circle them, right? And you're going to start incorporating these habits into your persona and it's going to make it actually easier to stick with these habits because you might be tempted to sleep in and skip a workout. And you say, no, I'm the kind of person who wakes up early, who commits to this. You might be tempted to go out drinking with your buddies on a Saturday night. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but if you're an athlete, you might pay the price the next day. And you say, you know what? I'm the kind of person who doesn't go out drinking, doesn't do that is committed to his sport. Okay. So that's your homework. I hope this episode really helped you. It's the power of identity. It is an operating system working at the subconscious level. If you are aware of it, you can write out this phrase. I'm the kind of person who fill in the blank with some positive stuff. This is Michael Seeley's sports psychology podcast. If you want to work with me uh, as um, you know, a client for coaching, you can uh, email me at info at michaelseeley.com. You can go to my website, michaelseeley.com, and check out some of the offerings I have there. We talk about all these kinds of mindset coaching techniques that a lot of athletes just are really underutilizing. We can up your game by tapping into the power of the mind. Thanks so much for listening.